0: Thank you for tuning in. Don't forget to subscribe and share this episode. Joining me today is keynote speaker and top-ranked business coach, Lauren Fogelman. After co-owning a therapy clinic with her husband for 12 years, Lauren transitioned into coaching for a better work-life balance. Now she shows accounting professionals how to grow a profitable business that supports their lifestyle instead of compromising it. Thank you for joining me today, Lauren.
1: John, I am looking forward to our engaging conversation today.
0: Well, I would love to start off with um, telling, if you don't mind sharing with the audience members, like what was that pivotal moment where you wanted to transition, like you were working in in that profession, to then wanting to help others um, with this more career aspirations of that bigger goal. So. Mm-hmm. Can you share with the audience member what triggered you and what was that uh, mind? Start? Absolutely. Uh, for, first of all, I've always worked side
1: by side with my husband, Steve, whether it was in our counseling agency or now he actually is working for me with in our business. And what I would say is in our counseling agency, it was the traditional business model where I was working very long hours. Steve was the director. I was in the front line doing therapy with clients. But because of the way the practice was set up, a lot of times I would work into the evening seeing clients. And then on weekends, I would be doing paperwork to catch up with insurance billing and back office needs. As a result of that, not only was I hard working and missing out on things, but I realized that my entire family was paying the price for all these hours that I was devoting to the business. I wasn't able to go to all my kids' sporting events. I would miss dinners in the evening. And I eventually started to burn out. That's when I was looking for another way. I, I figured there had to be a better way without having to sacrifice my family time, my personal life in order to be able to not only make a living for ourselves, but we also had 11 employees. From that search, I became aware of business coaching. I actually didn't know that coaching existed beyond sports at that point. It seemed to have had all the missing pieces that I craved, which our current agency didn't have. Once I realized that that was the direction I wanted to go in, it took about 18 months for us to replace my position with two employees and for me to gradually phase out from the counseling into the business coaching. But basically, I I didn't want to sacrifice and I didn't want my family to sacrifice anymore
0: either. So how long did it take you to replace what you were earning prior, or was it okay to sacrifice a little bit of the earnings to have a better lifestyle? Because ultimately that's what it revolves around, right? Living Uh presently with your kids, spending more time so that you don't live with regret, right? Missing out on those experiences that you only get once in a lifetime with.
1: What, what, what I saw is I didn't wanna create a cash, stress us out on cash because I all of a sudden said, oh, I'm moving in a different direction and bam, I'm done. And moving into something new, even though I hadn't built it up yet. That, that's why it took me 18 months to transition What I would do is build up my business coaching that I was doing. And as I started to get new clients and got busier, I would cut one day out from the counseling that I was doing in our agency together. Maybe every three to six months, I cut out one more day until I was really at capacity and I couldn't work both uh, really effectively. And, And that's when at 18 months, we finally made the decision for me to be able to fully move in this direction of the business coaching instead of uh, having any participation any longer in the agency. Uh, But I, I will let you know, John, that this is something that I wanted more than Steve wanted me to do because of the fact that we worked really well together. When I would tell Steve ahead of time, I'm going to stop coming in on Friday's, He would hear me, but he didn't really sink in until I stopped coming in on Fridays. And he's like, why aren't you coming in? I'm like, Steve, I told you a month ago. Therefore, he supported me in my direction and my need to move in another direction, which I very, very much appreciated. However, from his point of view, it wasn't convenient for him.
0: So why coaching with accounting firms and not any other industry? That was part of the evolution. I want
1: to reinforce first that success is messy. It's not clean cut. What we think is going to happen and what actually happens are two different things. I believe that my reality has a really strong sense of humor. What I think is going to work out very rarely ever works out that way. It it was more of an evolution. I, I didn't know that it was going to be pricing that I was going to specialize in or niche with accounting professionals. I knew that I liked a certain type of person. Therefore, I always knew the psychographics or the characteristic and and personality makeup of the clients that I enjoyed working most with and the ones that I didn't enjoy working with that I was really clear upon. I thought in the beginning, it was gonna primarily be service-based professionals. So people that offered some type of service, which was a wide range. It could go from white collar to blue collar in the trades. I worked with a wide variety over the years, I looked for a specialty. I actually straddled between marketers and accounting professionals because it gave me variety. Marketers are creatives. Accounting professionals are more organized and systematized. It it was really a great mix for me, but it still was a little bit too much of a stretch trying to appeal to these two. I, I finally just made a decision that The accounting professionals were the ones that I wanted to really focus on and go with. Uh, it, It was more that I didn't want to be spread too thin. I will let you know, though, John, even though it feels counterintuitive to narrow down to one particular niche or specialty, it is the best decision I ever made. And that's when things just really started to take off was when I became more clear and defined about who I serve and what I do for them.
0: No, that's amazing because clarity is optimally what you're after, right? Owning mm-hmm. this space, being a, becoming a niche expert, and then being recognized for it, right? People will distinguish and seek you out based on your expertise. So I love that. Um, growing up, did you ever envision yourself to be, a, like you mentioned, not a coach, but doing what you passionately love? Um, at this stage of your life, and how long did it take you to actually figure that out? Because, you know, growing up with young children, ru- running a business, to then being a coach, and then having a better lifestyle, there's a lot of pillars, right? Like, a lot of change mm-hmm. happening. So, mm-hmm. throughout the, that journey, from going to school, to then becoming I mean, an expert, owning your business, to then doing all that, how did you manage all that? Like, And then, uh, in between, having children as well. I don't think that what I did was necessarily
1: fully traditional in so many ways. When I was really young, I wanted to be a kindergarten teacher forever. And as I grew up, my mom was always interested in psychology. She had a subscription to psychology today, which I enjoyed reading. Therefore, that part was always present somehow in my life. I was a good listener. I was the person that people came to when they had stuff going on, too much drama in their lives, and they needed a person to listen to. As a result of that, I knew that psychology was the direction that I wanted to go in. While I was in college, though, I became aware of industrial psychology. Industrial psychology is actually going into businesses and helping them with efficiencies and looking at how people are working in the workplace and the culture. Had a love for that. Therefore, a lot of my classes were primarily psychology, but all my electives were business-based. In the long run, I ended up uh, not going into industrial psychology, but being able to open up my own private practice with my husband, where Steve and I, like I said, had two offices. We had 11 employees. Therefore, the business side was always there. And that was part of what I brought to our partnership and our agency. But we also, when we had kids, I had the privilege of staying home for nine years with our kids in order to raise them. We we decided that we wanted to be the primary influence in our kids and their values instead of it being someone else. We, we made sacrifices in order for me to be able to stay home and be able to really be the, care, the primary caregiver for them. At that point, after nine years, we actually moved. And that was when I went back into working side by side with Steve. The kids were both in school at that point. As I was saying earlier, after 12 years, I burned out looking for that next thing and decided to make the switch from therapy into coaching because they have a lot of similarities. The difference is that with therapy, it's more after the fact, where you're going into why something isn't working and the history of it and trying to unravel their history. Whereas coaching I see is more future focused of helping them really to achieve their potential. Therefore, a lot of the same dynamics, John, it, it was just mainly about going from something that was more focused on the past and problem related as to potential. And the biggest challenge was in 2009 when I made this change is going from an in-person business where someone was in the room with me. I could pick up on their vibe. I could see their body language to going to something that was more virtual when virtual wasn't really fully developed at that point, it was by phone, everything was by phone, there wasn't any video like there is now, I I had to figure out how do I pick up on someone and really be present in the same way, when I can't see what they're doing, and watch their body language. And, And that's when I actually made a very conscious decision to develop some type of intuition or sixth sense, in order to pick up on what's going on, when I don't have that visual and their silence. And and that was probably one of the best things that happened as I made that transition from an in-person traditional business model into the virtual realm when there wasn't this face-to-face going on at that time. That's amazing.
0: And I guess over the years, you refined it, you created more efficiency, productivity, and just by doing allowed you to learn, right? Pick up on what you like, what you don't like and, and grow from there. So I love that. Um, any of the challenges that you've faced uh, that you would like to share during the last, since being a coach versus when you were more face-to-face that you can share with some of the listeners and maybe how did you overcome these challenges?
1: The biggest challenge is that I tend to be control freak. As a result of that, I was doing a lot for much too long, which contributed to part of the burnout for me. And I carried it over into the beginning of my coaching to the point where I was doing my own newsletters, weekly email newsletters to my clients the first year or so because I didn't have the cash flow to hire someone. But at the time, it would take me about eight hours and Steve would have to get the kids out of the house, get them far away to give me quiet because as I was trying to do this, I would get frustrated. Now, writing the letter was not a problem. It was formatting the letter. This was back, like I said, in 2009, where I would format it on AWeber. That was the mail server, email service I was using. It would look good. And then I would test it and it wasn't aligning. It didn't look as pretty as I wanted to as far as my branding goes. It was so frustrating to take an entire day to get out one simple newsletter. At that point, I realized a couple of things. When I brought on my next clients, I vowed, my next client, I vowed I was going to hire someone to do what I struggled with. And I realized that I was the bottleneck to really being able to grow my business. And by struggling with things I wasn't really very efficient at, it, it was really holding me back in other ways what I saw was once I hired that first virtual assistant, she was able to do in one hour, what took me eight hours. It was because I needed certain software that I didn't even realize that I needed. And that was what was keeping me from being able to do it so efficiently. Therefore I recognized, oh my gosh, if I'm the bottleneck in one way, I must be the bottleneck in other ways too. I had to be able to learn how to work with people more effectively and be able to delegate things, get things off my plate, and really go for sometimes good enough instead of perfection in order to grow and not end up having that burnout again. Therefore, once again, there were things I was holding onto that were out of my zone of genius. They actually felt like punishment. And the whole family once again suffered. I didn't want that any longer. Uh, And the other thing is, Sometimes I'm the bottleneck to my own success. I need to recognize that, but I believe that that's true for most business owners.
0: Yeah, like being in control is definitely why you went into business, right? But then Mm -hmm. let go and then understand where your gaps are, because as a business owner, you feel you can do everything better than anyone else. Yeah, no, there, no, no longer, John. <laughs> no, no longer. So for me, that's exactly the same way. Trying to acknowledge the gaps, understanding there's better people out there doing something that they love, own, and will do it way faster, less expensive, and less stressful, right? Mm-hmm. And it took years to figure out as well. So I'm glad that you shared that. Um, and then did you have to pivot? Because it, it sounded like you moved to this coaching. And you mentioned marketing and then also accounting. Like, when did you decide to just fully commit to the accounting? And how long did it take you to then ramp up to say, look, I'm going to be the specialist for this niche? It took longer than I would have liked. When I
1: was in our counseling practice, I actually had a specialty there. My specialty was working with high-level professionals who had a combination of addictions and post-traumatic stress disorder. Therefore, I knew the benefits of a specialty. In coaching, it took many years. And I believe it was more of a process of peeling away the layers of an onion, where I, over time, realized who I didn't want to work with or which professions weren't a good fit for me. It's one of the things I think is really important is sometimes we don't just jump into a niche or a specialty. It's more that we do it by a process of elimination and realize who we don't want to work with or who's not a great fit for our services. But the specialty which I have, which is how to price your services, that was actually there all this time because I love helping entrepreneurs be able to make more money than what they think is possible, showing them how to get comfortable with it, how some of the price strategies that are out there Actually, are unfair to them as well as their clients. Once again, the pricing piece was actually consistently over there. I just didn't realize it until I got really tuned in to how do I separate myself from other coaches. The part with the niche where I was choosing a particular profession was more gradual. It took probably about seven years or so where I straddled between the marketers and the accounting professionals for several years. Then it was one of my coaches who happens to be uh, very specialized with communication. She, felt, she knew I was straddling. She was like, just make an effing decision. A- and it was from there that I said, okay, I, I need to really commit to one or the other. That- that's when I looked at both the pros and the cons. And moved in the direction of accounting professionals. Even though I made that decision, John, it probably took me another 18 months or so before I changed everything on my website to accounting professionals. It was still very generic saying entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs everywhere. And then I would say within the last year, anything where it says entrepreneurs, I reframed, I rewrote, so it was very specific to the accounting profession and and once again it was just a relief it was the best thing i ever could have done because now i have people seeking me out because of the fact that i have this niche with accounting professionals because i specialize in the pricing piece and it made things easier instead of harder
0: yeah i think the big thing is learning that once you niche down the systems and processes in the back end is streamlined, right? You're, you mm-hmm. have everything in the in the works, right? You, you don't have to customize anymore. You already have a, a standardized system. You can personalize, but it, it's a lot easier uh, to do that. So I, I love that, the, the way you structured it. Like, it took you some time, but it, eventually you realize how important it is because ultimately it's the customer. It's all, all the, the users are typing in accountant. Mm -hmm. pricing right not not so much entrepreneur pricing because they relate to being an uh, accountant themselves so understanding that whole gap is uh pivotal there's
1: there's one other thing i want to add to that that i noticed over the last year or so as well is when people are reaching out to me now part of what they say is because you work with accounting professionals and the fact that I specialize and I know their specific pain points, as well as how to be able to fix those things is very, very kind, attractive.
0: Yeah, because they know the persona, the profile mm-hmm. of the accountants are usually trustworthy, authentic, and someone that actually gets numbers, right? So I love that. Um, were there any mistakes that you made that you would like to share that you've would have, or could have, or if you could have reversed, um, you would have done differently? Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. Well, I don't know if I would have done differently because I believe that success has so many insights and I wanna be able to learn from them in order to be able to get it right the next time. Therefore, I first of all, the way that I look at mistakes is different than most people. Once again, it gives me insights. I prefer to say either I hit the mark or I missed the mark. Similar to when you have archery and you have the, the target with the bullseye in the middle and the concentric rings. When I miss the mark, I might be off by a couple of rings. or I might have totally not even hit the whole target at, at all. Or And when I hit the mark, I got that bullseye. And, and when I'm off the mark, it allows me to then make some adjustments in order to be able to get closer to really getting it right next time. I I just wanted to reframe that because that's something that I saw. One of the challenges that came up as I was going into the business coaching is that I started a second business again. I started doing sports psychology as well as business coaching. I had two businesses. The sports psychology was the sexy one because I was working with – athletes and they're highly motivated and they always want to be able to do the best that they possibly can. They're they're very, very coachable because they get started as PYUs being coach. But I was doing the business coaching also. And I found myself once again, stretched too thin. I didn't uh, want to be able to working that many hours. And after five years of doing both of them, I decided to once again, put the sports psychology on a back burner. And and that's the one I thought was going to be the one, but I ended up doing a launch to my email list that was more athletes related, and I had crickets. I had no response to that particular launch. That's when Steve came to me and had this really caring, heart-to-heart conversation with me about the reality of what's going on. Even though they're sexy, it's fun. I think that that you know that felt like the one to me. I, I was really getting most of my clients and the results with the business coaching. I decided to put the sports psychology on the back burner. I I took three months to really once again revamp and rebrand myself, and had a specific date that okay by September first, I'm going to be ready to really focus and come out with the business coaching. And I went quiet for those three months. I restructured everything and. Uh, on that date, September 1st, I relaunched and rebranded. And some of the response that I got from people on my email list was that I was just waiting for you to do that and, and really applauding me for that decision. That, therefore, what I thought, and as I said, my reality has a sense of humor and what actually happened were two different things.
0: And I think that applies for a lot of entrepreneurs, right? You always come in with a you know, executive summary or a, a kind of business proposal, right? An idea. But in reality, when it comes to fruition. You have to decide with decisiveness and choice and go with what your your customers want to see you, right? It's like mm-hmm. you want to serve a, an audience, but maybe they don't want to serve you or they're not your type of your cup of tea, right? So mm-hmm. you just have to pivot and figure it out. So I love that.
1: And and one of the things that did happen during that time when I was rebranding is I really looked at what I was doing with sports psychology and the mindset of high-performing athletes. And I was able to bring that into what I did with the business coaching. Therefore, okay, maybe the branding went away, but how I work with people was something that I brought in. And I actually think that it enhanced the service that I offered.
0: Amazing. And then a question I wanted to ask you, the the email that you were sending out, was it based on the the clients that you already done business with, or was it more of an outreach with, because you already have a relationship with people, right? And then you're pivoting away to that new coach.
1: It was messy. It was like a mutt that you would get from pound. Because when I first went from our counseling agency into coaching, I started out business coaching. And, Therefore, I started to develop an email list of business coaching clients. After a couple of years, I moved in the direction of sports psychology. And then I had all these sports psychology on my e- people on my email list. Once I put that on a back burner and went back into the business coaching, I, 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 then had ath- I still have athletes on my email list uh, from when I first started doing this. So I believe that my email list is kind of a mess <laughs> and, and, and I continue to clean it up. But it has some people from when I first started doing business coaching back in 2009 that have followed me through the sports piece and then back into business coaching. It has some athletes still on it. And then it has actually the majority is my current focus with the accounting professionals. And and I'm continuing to clean it up in order for it to be really specific and geared to the people that I work closest with now.
0: That's really good. And it takes time, right, to not just harvest a good email list, but put attributes, start making sure that you define it and clean it up to scrub it, right, so that Mm -hmm. it's active people that you actually want to serve or someone that knows you. So I love that.
1: Well, Um, uh, I, I do want to say, though, I don't like seeing when people unsubscribe. I put a rule in my email that if somebody unsubscribes, it just immediately goes into my delete file, and I never ever see that.
0: Yeah, which is great, right? Because you if they don't want you, why should you mm-hmm. be out there giving them information, right? So uh, it applies. Um, and then, of course, it's like creating good enough content that they will stick, open, read, and then mm-hmm. hopefully land on that page. So that whole sequence is important. Um, looking back at your life now, was there any... you would have done differently, first off. And then secondly, are you satisfied with where you're at today?
1: I'm very, very happy. Let's start with that. Where I'm at today is really beautiful. I, I feel like I have a dream life that I always aspire to have. However, it took a lot of hard work, effort, and it still takes a lot of work and effort. What one of the things that I believe and I learned from the sports psychology is you don't want to aim for complacency because when you aim for complacency, there's someone else who's hungrier than you are and they eventually are going to be able to move you out or you end up like blockbusters and, and border stores where you think that you have it made, you're, you're top of it. And you don't see the signs, and eventually you become uh, you're not able to keep up, and it's like the downhill slide for you. Therefore, I'm always looking to improve what I'm doing, and I seek mastery. Where I realize that I want to be a student first. I always want to be in learning mode in order to continue to excel at what I'm doing. I believe that that's part of the sports psychology that comes over into how my business is set up now also. As far as the mistakes that I've made, there's been a lot of mistakes along the way. And I believe that it's all more about a learning, a learning process. The way that I approached it was, first of all, I tend to be fiercely independent and asking for help is very, very difficult. But when I moved from being a therapist into business coaching, the very first thing I did was hire a very, very high level business coach. I I didn't even have a business. I was just ready to move into the uh, transition into it. But I wanted to fast track my results by working with someone who already achieved what I wanted for myself. And and with that intention, I made an $18,000 investment. Into to someone who lived at the other co- side of the country and I had to travel several times a year because I was so committed to doing this. Uh, with that, I found that not only was I fiercely independent, asking for help was difficult, but I saw the benefits of it. The other thing that I found that was, I believe, a process for me is with psychology, I was always trained to really be a blank slate to my clients and not let them know about me. Therefore, my private life was very, very, very private. And I brought that into the coaching in the beginning because that's how I had been trained is to focus on the other client, not on me. And I needed to learn how to be transparent. Mm -hmm. And being transparent was very, very difficult when I came from being so private. It was counterintuitive. And the most difficult part was I had to get rid of that look good that I had all the time, let people know that, yes, I do make mistakes. I do get in my own way. It is messier than what you think it is sometimes, just like I'm willing to share with you now, John. This would have been so difficult to talk about in the beginning in 2009. But the other thing that I realized is that when I first got into social media, I had to figure out what my comfort level was. And that was probably the hardest part was figuring out social media in 2009 when it was still in its beginning stages. Also, that's when I came up with the idea that there's a difference between private and personal. And if I don't want something on the ticker tape of the New York Times Square uh, headlines, then it's private and I don't wanna share that. But something that's personal might actually benefit somebody else and I'm okay with doing that. Th- therefore, making some of those mistakes, especially with the social media part of it, about how much transparency is within my comfort level and coming up with the difference between the private and the personal really has been very helpful.
0: Yeah, and especially when you're the face and you're starting something new, right? You have to be show a little bit more vulnerability show a little bit about yourself because that will paint a good picture or not based on perception of what people think of you and if you're starting new like as a a coach or mentor it's all about you it's all about you know why should they choose you so they they're going to dig a little bit deeper about your story before they make a decision right Mm -hmm. so that's great that you acknowledge that
1: and, and I think that part of what you're saying, because I think it's so important, I want to highlight this, is I wanted people to be vulnerable with me, but I didn't want to be vulnerable with them. <laughs> and, and and that probably is the essence of what I had to learn.
0: Yeah. Um, but it takes time, right? Especially if you mm-hmm. haven't been, this habit of yours has been trained for so many decades, not even years, right? Uh, especially when you were- I'm not that old. Come <laughs> <Yeah>. on. <laughs> but it's true. It's habit. Yes. And uh, that habit just had to be broken for better habits. Mm -hmm. So question back on the coach and mentors that you had previously. Um, You you mentioned you you spent quite a bit, you traveled to this person. Um, Did they make you, uh, you know, more comfortable, more vulnerable? Like what added value did they bring to the table that you didn't acknowledge yourself? Was it more about different perspective? Was it more about being account- held more accountable because someone's watching? Um, because I, I always talk to coaches and mentors and I have some myself and I feel it's a lot of commitment, but it's all about action, right? What are you going to do after you have this coach and mentor that you're not doing today to hold yourself accountable? I've
1: when I first signed on with this, uh, my, my very first business coach, she, she asked me why I wanted to work with her. I told her that I knew that I can achieve what I wanted on my own. I had complete confidence that in that. But the fact that she had achieved it already would help me to fast track my results. That that was why I started with her. Also, I was going from a traditional brick and mortar service based profession into business coaching, which was more virtual and had a little bit of a different business model to me. I didn't understand it. Therefore I really needed someone to help me understand how that process worked when I never had done it before myself. Plus I wanted to be able to start to define why I was the person that someone would choose instead of somebody else. And the main thing that I have invested uh, for my coaches is Let me back up. What I found is there's certain gaps in my learning and my education that I needed to be able to get better at or get insights as to how to do in order to be able to have a profitable business that was going to work for me. The three things that I realized I needed to be able to understand was how to be able to price and deliver my services, especially when it was virtual. So I didn't really understand the marketing piece, and I I needed to understand the marketing piece, how to be able to sell my clients when I didn't really like to be salesy. And the third one was how to be able to network and speak when when I tend to be more of an introvert than an extrovert. And, And I would say that that's what I have invested most of my coaching in is really the marketing, the sales and the speaking or presentation part because school gave me all the skills that I needed to do what I do really, really well, even though it's ongoing. However, they also trained me to be employed by somebody else as opposed to employing other people. And I needed to understand what it took to be a successful business owner uh, and and doing it virtually as opposed to brick and mortar. Therefore, I knew what... I always know what gaps I have to be able to continue to move forward and evolve. And I look for a coach that specializes in that particular thing in in order for me to gain the insights and the skills I need to be able to continue progressing and being on my own journey.
0: That's amazing. And I, I think acknowledging those gaps is as important, right? Because you're blinded when you're so deeply involved in your business it's very hard, right, to acknowledge. And so reaching out and uncovering and understanding uh-huh. what, what other skills that, that you're lacking is important. Um, have you noticed, and, you know, now that you're now doing everything digitally and online, there's no borders. There's a lot more people searching online. Um, there's a lot more competition, however, that you're competing with, because it's not just a localized you know, bricks and mortar. What other barriers are you encompassed with? Because now that there's no borders, there's a lot more people competing. Have you noticed there? there's a big, a huge more competition, I would say, into your kind of profession and your career choice now? Competition is a
1: mindset. And what I believe is that there's actually no competition because even if somebody's doing something similar, they're probably doing it in a different way based on their life experiences and how they perceive things or their personality. Someone's going to be choosing one person or the other based on personality fits and, and many other factors. Therefore, actually what appealed to me with going in this direction in 2009 was the fact that there was Uh, geography was not an issue any longer. And it allowed, it gave me so much freedom, John. It allowed me to test it where I have worked with clients from all over the world that I never ever would have worked with if I would have remained regional and local. But the other part is that Steve and I absolutely love to travel and our kids live all over. Therefore, we've tested running my business from all different parts of the world. And it gave us freedom as opposed to feeling more constrictive.
0: That's amazing. And that's the best part about this digital world, right? This online space, you can do meetings anywhere. You can connect to the internet um, and it's Mm -hmm. fast. Um, And with technology advancing so quickly, you know, you could be on a cruise ship or on an airplane doing the work. So I love it. Early days, and I know you've done the bricks and mortar and then you scaled. Did you liquidate? Did you sell your business? Did you eventually dissolve it? Um, Like what was your exit before starting it again? Did you buy or did you start from scratch again, knowing how to run a business at the beginning?
1: Actually, with our very first business, the counseling agency, we bought that. And that's when we learned never again do we want to buy somebody else's business. It it was an expensive learning mistake. However, we, we grew and we gained so much out of it, how to pivot, how to be able to go from what was known as someone else's brand into our branding. With going from the therapy into the coaching, as I said, it took 18 months. Steve continued to own and operate the counseling agency we had for another four years. And he grew because... Because I stepped up, he grew because he took on so much that I had uh, left behind. And I still was there to talk with him and consult with him, but I just wasn't a part of that business any longer. After four years, we actually successfully sold our counseling agency to somebody else. Steve retired for a year trying to figure out what it is that he wanted to do. We always loved working together. That was really something that was a sweet spot about our entire career is that we've worked together for so many years. Then we started figuring out where does Steve fit in my business? That had the good, the bad, and the ugly. (laughs) Because in the beginning, I would give Steve things that I didn't want to do. He's a very, very sweet, loving man. He would say yes And then he would do them for a while and you could see that he didn't really enjoy them. And then he would just gradually not do them as much to where he wasn't doing them at all. That created some tension between us because couples in business together has some additional complexities that other businesses don't have. And we grew so much from us having a role reversal because in our counseling agency, Steve was the director and I was the frontline line. With the business coaching, it was my business and Steve's an employee in my business. And we have different styles as being the head of a business. I found that with Steve, I tend to abdicate. I just think that he knows how to do it because he's worked so closely with me all these years. And I just throw something in his lap instead of really training him and working with him. And and we had to figure that part out also. Um, But over the years of doing this, we finally found what is the sweet spot for Steve with helping and supporting me. It works really, really well. And I absolutely feel so blessed that we've been able to figure out how to continue working together in a way that I believe expands our relationship instead of create tension in it.
0: That's amazing. And I love hearing these stories, right? So, Um, There's one last question, Lauren, that I would like to ask. So aside from business, because we talked about your pivot new role as a coach, um, what are some of the, and I know, I know you mainly talked about the lifestyle choices and the sacrifice that you made. what has molded you to become who you are today? Like, I know family is very important. Your husband, kids, and you're able to travel. What about um, a lot of people talk about impact, community, you know, a lot about health contribution all that. What are some of the other major factors besides family for you?
1: There's actually two primary things I want to share on it, The very first one is a concept. It's a Hebrew word taught, called Tikkun Olam. Uh, I'll go ahead and spell it. T-I-K-K-U-N-O-L-A-M. Tikkun Olam literally means repairing the world. Even as a therapist, I realized that that was my purpose, was to be able to help people to heal themselves, to be able to move forward and get out of their own way. By doing that, and as they are able to continue to better themselves and their own lives, they are having a positive effect on other people also. So it's a wave effect. If I can help someone, I know that they're taking someone, they're helping someone else, and it goes on and on and on. As I go up the ladder, I take other people up the ladder with me. They take other people up the ladder with them. Tikkun Lam has been there throughout my entire professional career and journey. That's the very first thing. The second thing especially with what I've seen over this past year regarding accounting professionals, I I believe that they're unsung heroes and, and many, many business owners and entrepreneurs are unsung heroes, but I want to specifically go with accounting professionals. When COVID first happened and all these businesses shut down, I watched accounting professionals go ahead and help their clients with having insights regarding their businesses helping them make strategic decisions regarding the financials to be able to remain afloat, helping them with applications for loans to be able to get outside monies and having to learn something new on what these loans meant, how to apply for them, what would be the consequences of doing it one way versus the other way. They devoted countless hours that that they never got paid for to be able to help their clients. Therefore, I saw them actually as first responders, just like all the healthcare, just like the police and the firefighters. I, I saw them as first responders also in a different way. It really gave me a renewed respect for them, but I realized that they are unsung heroes and it really reaffirmed my decision for wanting to work with them because they were part of the solution when everything changed and pivoted in a moment's notice for other business owners. And small business owners are the backbone of the first world economy. We are the ones, small business owners, there's more of them than anybody else. We are the ones that are really sustaining our economies, whether locally or virtually. And accounting professionals really were part of that solution when everything shut down. And they were able to be there without question for their clients. And as a result, I think that we all did so much better than we could have.
0: That's amazing to hear. I love that. Um, I still truly believe SMBs, we local business owners, I truly support them. And this is the reason I I do what I do, right? To help the small, medium, small guys, right? Mm -hmm. Um, We are the 95% of the population in the first world countries, right? Um, So I I love supporting them. Well, thanks a lot. I really appreciate your time, Lauren. Um, Is there anything you would like to add or um, would you mind sharing how people can reach you and your website and message you directly? Mm -hmm. If
1: somebody is interested in what I've been talking about regarding the pricing, wanting to get more insights as to how to be able to rise about, above the converse, uh, the competition and be that go-to expert. I actually have a free resource called Get Paid What You're Worth. It is something that shows you how to define yourself, how to get out of your own way, how to be able to start to price your services for value instead of charging for your time, being able to really talk about what your clients most care about instead of what you think they care about. And you can go ahead and get the Get Paid What You're Worth book at businesssuccesssolution.com forward slash worth. That, that is the best way to actually start out and connect with me is to go to businesssuccesssolution.com forward slash worth. Go ahead and grab that ebook. And then if you wanted to have a further conversation with me, it gives you the resources on how to do that as
0: well. Amazing, Lauren. Uh, I'm going to have that in the show notes really appreciate your time. Um, And you've been doing a great job pivoting. And I love that you're helping support the SMB, especially accountants, which are first like responders during this pandemic. So I love that. Thanks a lot. Thank you for listening to our latest podcast. Please subscribe to Local SEO today and tune in to our next episode.